You're listening to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, where we firmly believe food should fuel your life, not restrict it. Each week, one of our registered dietitian nutritionists will motivate and educate you with accurate and reliable nutrition information to help you achieve your health goals using food. Whether you struggle with yo-yo dieting, weight loss, portion control, or simply just understanding the right eating patterns to get real, lasting results, you're in the right place. I'm Dietitian Kate, nutrition expert, ex-cardio bunny turned barbell junkie, and your host for today's episode. Are you ready to dive in? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, and my favorite episodes are when we have guests, especially smart mouth guests like my one today. (laughs) His name is Tyler Florek, and we met on Twitter, and I don't know if anybody listening is on Twitter, specifically nutrition Twitter, but it is seriously a dumpster fire sometimes with misinformation and wars. And I saw Tyler because he really calls out people for misinformation that they're posting on Twitter. I mean, people just get out there and they post crazy claims, whether it's because they feel really passionately about a certain diet or they're trying to make money. Tyler's not afraid to call them out. So Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the Nutrition Awareness Podcast today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so tell my people about who you are and why we should listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, well, my name's Ty. Uh, I've been a professional chef for the last 13 years. Um, I've worked restaurants all over the U.S. I went to culinary school when I was a teenager. Uh, Not because I thought food was fantastic. I love food, I love eating. Um, I just was one of those teenagers that, you know, we're supposed to all figure out what we're supposed to do with the rest of our life at 18, and I was like, I'm okay with cooking. Cooking's fun and food's great and decided to go to culinary school and didn't really discover that I had that skill until I went there and it turns out I was pretty good at it and when you're good enough at it people pay you to do it so graduated from culinary school and just started kind of bouncing around restaurants and I've worked uh, in my home state in Arizona. I've worked a couple restaurants out in Texas um, and New Mexico as well so I've been kind of cooking all over doing this for 13 years. Um, and I really kind of discovered my passion in cooking while I was doing it. Um, and that just kind of grew. Um, and then I sort of just kind of stumbled into dietetics. Um, I think I was working a restaurant out in San Antonio and I ended up reading something, I think it was about vitamin C and really just discovered this other side of food. I'd really been into the chemistry of food and cooking techniques and all these, you know, flavor combinations and all that. And then really just found this other side of food that I wasn't really aware of. Um, and I wasn't sure if that would actually be something I could pursue. So I went uh, to University of New Mexico when I had moved from Texas to New Mexico and sat down with somebody at their university and said, hey, like, this is really interesting. What can I do with this? And they gave me a list of a couple of things. And I was like, oh, dietetics, what's that? And they just kind of gave me the rundown. And I was like, sure, let's do that. That sounds cool. And then really just it went from there. So now I'm a dietetic intern. I'm a month away from being finished, um, which is kind of a scary thought, taking my exam and finally becoming a credentialed nutrition expert. But uh, yeah, oddly enough, it was just something I kind of fell into, and here I am. Well, I just want to say that is such a dude answer. (laughs) I just sort of stumbled into dietitian, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'll do this. (laughs) Which is exactly how being a chef started for me. It was like, I don't know what to do with my life. I think food's kind of cool. 
sure, I guess I'll do that. It could have totally flopped on me. I don't know. Yeah. You never know until you try. Yep. Can I ask, what is your best dish? Like, if you were to cook something and you really needed to impress somebody. Oh, man. Uh, I've been doing this for so long. I don't know if I have, like, my best dish. I have, like, cultures of food that I really enjoy making. But I, I would say I, I don't want to. I don't want to cop out because I feel like everyone thinks their steak's the best, but <laughs> I've, it depends. It really, it really depends like who I'm cooking for. Cause like I've worked with um, vegans a lot. So I've made a lot of vegan cuisine. I actually, um, there was a chunk during my career that I worked for Whole Foods for like six years. And I've worked with every vegan, like animal protein alternative known to man. I've made tons and tons of different ethnic cuisines and vegan style um so it really just depends who i'm cooking for yeah which i guess is kind of the you know that's the basis of being a chef is wanting to cook for people and nourish people and feed them which is kind of how i bled over into dietetics just from more of a medical you know position but it really just depends who i'm cooking for but i'll tell you what I make a mean steak <laughs> okay a good a good mean steak for the non-vegan person you're cooking for i was gonna say yeah. That experience cooking for all sorts of different diets is going to leverage your career so much because it is wild how many people I have come in that have some sort of dietary preference or restriction based on a medical need or religious need or an ethical reason. So you have to find different ways to help people not only get the nutrition that they need to be healthy, but also feel satisfied. And if they have some sort of health outcome or goal in mind, help them get there with uh, whatever kind of food preference they need. So I think that's really gonna help you. And for anybody listening who heard Ty say that he was a dietetic intern, can you explain to people what that means and why that puts you in a position to soon be able to get paid to get, uh, give dietary advice? Um, so anybody who wants to become a dietitian has to go through a four-year degree um, through an accredited program through university. Um, I went to Arizona State University, so I got my four-year degree. And then that's kind of the easy part. Um, then you apply for an internship. Super competitive because there's a lot of people going for it, not a lot of spots. Um, if you're lucky enough, you get a spot as an intern, and basically what that means is you're getting supervised practice hours, so you spend the next eight months to a year, depending on what you're going for, and you just go to a bunch of different places, so I spent 10 weeks at a hospital, I spent six more weeks at another hospital doing a food service rotation, so you get a lot of clinical experience, hands-on food service experience, public health experience, uh, community nutrition, so you spend eight months getting at least 1,200 practice hours to really kind of hone your craft, figure out what you might want to do in dietetics. And at the end of it, you take a really big exam that I'm still trying to wrap my head around um, taking. But you get through that and pass, hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, then you get your, your credential and you're officially an RD. So that's definitely been a really long journey. Um, so I'm very, very thankful to be in the position that I am now. And it's really odd being almost at the very end of it, you know, and looking back. It is a stupid long process, but we were just talking before we started recording about how important that is because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are online and they're on social media and they're on Facebook. And I hear it directly from the clients I work with one-on-one -on -one about 
all of these things that they hear, they hear they should be eating this and they have a nutrition coach or a health coach post this fact and they think it's this supplement and it can get really confusing, but it's important for consumers to know whenever you are accepting medical or health advice from someone, you need to know their credentials because there are a lot of people out there who may have good intentions and they may just be wanting to share some sort of secret that worked for them and try to make a buck off of it because why not? I mean, we live in a capitalist society and there's people who can do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the ethical right thing to do. And so as a consumer, you need to take responsibility and put yourself in a position to only accept medical or health advice from a professional. And that goes for nutrition advice. If you are going to listen to some nutrition coach on Instagram, that's your prerogative, but don't be surprised if those um, recommendations don't get you the results that you want or you are misled. You have to be responsible, take responsibility, and really do a background check for people that you take serious advice from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people have a hard time really understanding the scope and the depth that dietitians uh, have when it comes to the amount of formal education that they have to have, let alone like supervised practice hours and then the dietitian gets into practice and specialized. And that's just years and years of doing nothing but nutrition. When you see, you know, doctors that post stuff about nutrition, very bad information about nutrition. And this is coming from somebody who I know personally, because part of my program was actually going over to University of Arizona, uh, where they have their medical students and actually teaching nutrition education classes and doing activities and things with them to educate them in it because it gets a little so doctors get an average of about i think nationally it's like 24 to 28 hours and if you do the math on that that's about a semester of classes so most dietetic students will have more formal education in nutrition alone in their first semester than doctors get most of their entire schooling doctors go to school for a really long time that is an important point because there is something to be said about an individual who niches down on one element of health. And doctors, they're going to do their job in their scope better than anybody else, right? I mean, you would not Absolutely. go to a pulmonologist for a podiatry foot problem, right? You go to a foot yeah. doctor for a foot problem, a lung doctor for your lung problem. So why would you go to your doctor for something that isn't related to their specialty or their practice? Why mm -hmm. would you go to a physician who isn't dedicating their entire life and obsessing over nutrition. They don't have time for that because they're doing other things. They are doing important things in a different scope. So it can be really frustrating when we see anybody in any kind of medical or health practice swerving out of their lane and putting out misinformation out there. And, and not all doctors are doing that. Not all health professionals are doing that. A lot of them are giving really good advice or supporting good advice, but you just have to be careful and look at that individual and say, okay, what is their specialty? What are they trained in? What is their track record? What are other people saying about this specific physician or practitioner? Because you can learn a lot about what other people are saying. And if they have a bad reputation, well, take whatever they're saying with a grain of salt. And I think what you do, like I mentioned in the beginning um, very well, is calling out people online who are just posting to post they're just saying don't eat this eat that there is one little tiny study that suggests maybe this and people take that information and they don't actually understand what it means or they take one little small piece of 
maybe a little bit of evidence and they twist it into something else. And you really call people out on Twitter. And I'm probably going <laughs> to point out some, some great good tweets there. But what kind of got you started on, in, in that, on, on looking at people on Twitter and just not being afraid to be a voice of reason? I really honestly think it was I didn't have the full idea about being a dietitian as like I thought everyone knew like I thought oh everyone's like dietitians they're the ones you go to for nutrition stuff <laughs> um and then I just I got hit with you know this just face full of cold water and this realization that most people don't know what dietitians do they they have no idea we exist they don't know what our expertise really are I, I think they equate us to like a nutritionist or a health coach or you know a gym bro who likes to you know has his macros figured out or whatever um, or the so, worst is when you're in the hospital and they think you're in the food delivery, <laughs> delivery. oh yeah yeah yeah. people <laughs> or people tighten up the ones that even have sort of a clue of what a dietitian is it's food police so like the second you walk into the room they're like i swear i take all my meds when i'm supposed to and i eat all my vegetables and i'm just like, it's like you don't like i'm not i'm not going to take away your birthday because you know <laughs> you're fine i'm not i'm not here to do that but no i think the biggest thing that got me into it is just the realization that um so many people claim to be nutrition experts and i really think it's that there's this misrepresentation that they think nutrition is easy and i think doctors do it a lot because they are the experts in a lot of things and they also have that title and that that status so they think and i don't know if it's more of like a a shame factor where they think that should be that easy and I can just, you know, I can mold right over into that lane and talk about nutrition because I'm a doctor and it's not hard when clearly that's not the case because I see MDs and PhDs who aren't related to nutrition say some of the craziest stuff. So, what is some of the craziest stuff that you've seen? Um, cherry picking things is what sets me off the most and I see yeah. it happen the most from nutrition are not nutrition, but um, non-nutrition professionals, the doctors, where they'll pick one specific isolated thing and then really expand on that because every story has to have a bad guy, mm -hmm. right? And doctors, especially ones who sell diet books, call them diet docs, they'll pick one isolated thing out of a food group and then they just they rattle off all of these things about why it's terrible. But there's a difference between a compound that exists in a specific food and being able to prove that it actually has verifiable health ramifications either or on the good end where they actually are able to do what a lot of doctors will claim they do perfect example would be that would be like saying because apples and peaches and stone fruits naturally have cyanide in them that don't eat apples and don't eat peaches because they have cyanide and that would kill you yes they do but does that mean you should stop eating apples or eating those fruits no absolutely not but it's, it's isolating those things and then cherry picking them and then really just trying to expand on them to scare people. And usually what then comes after that is, well, I have the answers. So those are the bad things. Here's the bad guy. And I have all the answers to the good things. And they're in my book and you can get that for $19.99. That's what it is. That's what gets me. It's like they're always selling something and you, the books, they all look the same. It's got the picture of the doctor, you know, with their arms crossed and a friendly smile. And maybe there's yeah. those measuring tapes around their waist or something. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is the secret to fat loss. It's don't eat this and don't eat that. And they never talk about the things like you should be eating. And they never look at your, not, I'm not, I shouldn't say never. The majority aren't looking at your dietary pattern as a whole. They're doing exactly what you said. They're isolating that bad guy. They're finding the bad guy. And then they're putting themselves in the position as the superhero as, okay, here's the bad guy. Here's how I can teach you to eliminate that bad guy. And here's the outcome that you can expect. And that's really frustrating because they will, they'll find a few little studies and they'll, that are in line with their specific desired outcome. They'll mm -hmm. pull out one little piece of information or one little excerpt from that study and then they'll blow it up <laughs> and profit off of it. And it's, it's such a little steam and it gets under our skins. I think I saw you, you wrote one in the last couple of days here. And we're recording this during the coronavirus um, outbreak. You mentioned that this doctor said that he claimed that LDL cholesterol can inactivate COVID. Yeah, so stuff <laughs> like that. Like what? that just that that blows my mind. One, I think one of my favorite ones that I've ever seen. Um, and it's you see it constantly. It's usually pick your food, and it then it, it's the quote unquote fat burning. You know, it's the master fat burning food. Um, my favorite one was, I think it was like Kim Kardashian's personal trainer. She was doing the tomato diet. Um, I'm eating nothing but tomatoes and I'm losing a ton of body fat. So that's because tomatoes are the master fat burning food, not because you're eating nothing but tomatoes and God knows you could only getting so many, be getting so many calories from that. So that's probably why you're losing weight, but just, you see that a lot. I ate this and I lost weight. So therefore this food is the master fat burning food. <laughs> I am getting heartburn thinking about eating just tomato. <laughs> that is stupid. But you know what? We look at that and we think it's stupid, but they prey on people's problems, right? What keeps a lot of people up at night? Their weight or their desire to change their physique. So mm -hmm. if somebody can present a solution and eating just tomatoes, if you were to read that on paper and not think conceptually about what that actually means for your psyche, for your energy, for your lifestyle, it seems pretty easy. It's like, oh, I did that. That seems really too good to be true, but I can do it. I can just eat tomatoes and I can burn fat because that's all I'm thinking about. That's my biggest problem. So they prey on these problems with bogus solutions. And who on earth do you know could just eat one singular food or just a small little group of foods for an extended period of time? Not many, but because people are so desperate to lose weight, they're going to fall for those quick easy solutions that are presented them by somebody with some kind of status. I mean, if you've got doctor in front of your name or if you're Kim Kardashian's personal trainer, that automatically puts you in a position to sell something and, and make a bold claim. But our job as dietitians and medical professionals who have codes of ethics and who genuinely care about people's health and well-being is to call people out on that stuff. So I'm, I'm really glad that that you know there's people out there who are patrolling misinformation on the internet because lord knows it's full of it yeah exactly i and saw just, one from oh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i saw one that was hilarious and it was from dr mike mark hyman um oh and what did he write he wrote oh god and you know i think he started out when he first came on the scene he was kind of um i guess new edge he was functional he was putting some interesting thoughts out there and a lot of them had validity but now he's saying things that are just absurd and i saw him post that 
75% of people, you're laughing, he's laughing. Oh, I've seen it, it's terrible, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, 75% of people are carbohydrate intolerant. And he posts this, mind you, in the midst of the corona outbreak when everyone's like all up in arms about it. And he's just out there on Twitter like, 75% of people are carbohydrate intolerant. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Yeah, no, it's, um, there, I feel like it ranges though. I feel some stuff is passable if you don't dig into it and i feel like doctors capitalize on that a lot they say stuff that sounds scientific enough that it'll fly over the head of most people which is you know logical that makes sense people don't do what you do you know they're not the doctor or they're not the dietitian so if you can say something that sounds legitimate enough and sounds scientific enough it'll fly right over their heads and won't question it and then there's also the factor of and it's coming from a doctor, so I probably don't need to question it. This is probably the truth. So yeah. it, it, all these things exist on the spectrum of like absolutely crazy like that to it sounds like it could be legit. And I'm not so worried about the things that sound nuts, like what Dr. Hyman said. I'm more concerned about the ones that are passable because that's the stuff that's believable. Mm-hmm. And it's that, that, that um, influence and suggestion by like a thousand little tiny statements that start edging people towards the really crazy ends of nutrition and just does not lead people down a path that is beneficial for them or healthy for them. So I really try to go after the stuff that sounds like it could be legit. And those are the things that I'm constantly putting studies that refute it because it's not that hard. Like it's a lot of them make these really intellectually lazy arguments that a two minute Google search and I could find three things on PubMed and post go, here you go. That's why that's not right. But you're right. The problem is your average Joe isn't going to dive in and, and do a little um, check, a validity check after every single tweet. Just like we would do that because we're in this realm. Like we have an interest in nutrition and we're really passionate yeah. about it. But I always try to think on the side of, this sounds really bad from my end, but finance. If somebody were to put a claim out there on how to make investments or how to make money quickly or, or something like that, for me, who doesn't, who knows very little about those things, I don't have confidence in my ability with managing my finances, full disclosure, but I would see that and be like, oh, okay, like this man, he has some like, you know, letters after his name, his profile picture on Twitter has like some money, he's in a suit. I'm going to be likely to believe that because I don't really know. And am I going to take the time to look that stuff up? I don't know because I wouldn't even know what to search. <laughs> like I wouldn't even know yeah. how to prove that wrong. So it's, you know, I try to think of that in terms of nutrition, that that's how a lot of people are viewing nutrition claims and nutrition science. They see a study, it looks scholarly. It's coming from somebody with status. They see some kind of information and they're just going to believe it's true because, you know, who would lie about that? And there's a lot of people who would lie to make a buck. Yeah. And I mean, and let's be honest, like we're in this and we find it interesting, but like imagine being somebody from the outside trying to read a study, like they're not exactly exciting. It's very good information. And it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of data to, to sift through, but 
I, I really don't think the general public is a even reading those because I feel like a lot of them don't feel they need to because but the doctor if the doctor's saying it and oh look they even have a source that means it's most definitely most and most likely legit so I probably don't even need to read that study and even if they attempt to how many people do you know really know how to properly dissect and dig into a study and to see if is it actually looking at what it says it's looking at did it actually find what it says it found and then interpreting all of those numbers and all of that data to really say okay this is a you know a high quality study it's well put together it studied what it intended to and it got the results that it thought it was going to based off of what it was looking at so yeah it's yeah, dry material to people who aren't nerding out over it all the time like us. Right. And you know what? People don't need, I, I don't feel like people should be looking into those things. They don't need to. So like anyone listening to this, don't feel like you need to start looking into studies and doing background checks on everything because that's our job as dietitians to call people out. So exactly. instead of you know, scrutinizing every study or any kind of fact that somebody puts out there, ask a dietitian, reach out to somebody, you know, screenshot the theory and send it to a dietitian or some kind of health professional that you genuinely have a relationship with. I think that's really important. Also, uh, if you actually have a one-on-one -on -one genuine relationship with your practitioner, I feel like they're going to give you the right information and they're not going to be as likely to screw you over, um, to put it frankly. Uh, don't be afraid to ask them to look at the study and get their perspective. I mean, that's what we're here for. I'm always really thankful when people send me things and say, like, what do you think of this? You know, what's, what is this true? Is this actually true? My cousin's doing this. So-and-so tried this diet, this claim. Is this something that is actually beneficial? And, and if you are a dietitian listening to this, always be willing and open to help people out with those kinds of things for free because it only elevates our profession and it helps the uh, consumer community build trust in us as the dietitian experts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing that I would like to stress heavily, which is something that I'm a big kind of proponent of, is always asking how do they benefit from this? Specifically, non-nutrition professionals, so the doctors, the diet docs, you have that book out, you know, the unoriginal take, the 5,000th book on keto or whatever the fad diet is, like, follow the money trail. What is their, what, why are they doing this? Like, where's their interest? How, how are they gaining from this? What do they have to gain? Like, is it, because nine times out of 10, it's money. Yeah. It, they don't genuinely care about your health or your well-being or whether you improve your health. They don't, they're, they're not out to help you. They're out to convince you that they want to help you by saying, you know, Big X is creating this product that's ruining your health and I have all the answers. So buy my book and I can fix everything for you. But it always goes back to buy my brand, buy my book, buy something that I'm selling. So can it really be genuine? Because I can tell you, I don't know any dietitians that are really selling anything. They might offer services that you can choose to pay for and be a client for if, you, if you're looking for really high quality nutrition counseling and, and advice. But other than that, there's nothing to be gained from the dietitian other than genuinely helping you and giving you knowledge and the tools you need to improve your life and improve your health through your nutrition. Mm -hmm. Totally. That is, I really love that. How does it benefit them? Because people are out to make money. I mean, it's an opportunity that for them to make a profit. So asking that question is valuable. And going back to, you know, dietitians selling things, 
Well, the things that dietitians really help people do are hard to sell in the format of tangible product. I mean, it's possible to write books in your own language and create audiobooks and courses and things like that. But the principles, while specific for certain medical conditions or hormonal needs or goals, this, the recommendations kind of always go back to some major principles because eating for health is simple. There's no, there's no secret magic ingredient or food or change that you can make that's going to ultimately give everybody a positive outcome. There's simple nutrition practices, but it's all about the mindset and coaching people and helping people integrate these healthy practices in their lives in ways that can last them forever so that they don't have to diet and they don't have to feel like they need to buy these quick fix things. Learning how to eat and fuel yourself for life is something that dietitians do and it's kind of a counseling technique. It's a little bit of a coaching technique, but there's not a one quick fix thing that a dietitian or real nutrition expert's going to try to push at you. I mean, if they're telling, if someone's telling you, this is the answer, always do this, never do that, don't eat this, only eat that, then that's your first red flag because a, a professional knows that it's your diet as a whole and what your big picture looks like in terms of nutrition that is really going to move the needle for you. So really be sure that you're looking out for that as well. Yeah, I mean, a healthy diet is so diverse. It's such a loose term. So mm-hmm. when, when anybody, anybody who tries to sell you the, you know, one version of it and say that this is the one way that you should be eating, we call it things like the proper human diet. I hear that a lot when people are talking about keto specifically, but don't, yeah, don't, don't ever limit yourself because a healthy diet has so many different varieties it could mean so many different things there's so many different ways to actually eat a diet that is healthy for you Mm -hmm. don't ever limit yourself to eating one specific way and anybody that tells you you have to eat a specific way to be healthy be skeptical of them immediately because when we start talking about foods as you know entirely good or entirely bad like you're not helping yourself by eliminating foods from your diet. And if you really dig into what the evidence and the science says about these claims people make, like they never hold water. They never do. Nope, exactly. Over and over again. It's like this constant, it's like this war and every little fad diet is a new battle, you know? And the, I think the truth is most people aren't willing to accept that there isn't just one way of eating. Like we are human and we like a solid answer. We want clear data to show us like this is right and this is wrong we want everything black and white but unfortunately nutrition as we've said it before is like the wild wild west it is gray it is variable and it depends on that individual and then your individual diet is going to be flexible throughout your life so what might be the right way for you to eat when you're 20 probably isn't going to be the right way for you to eat when you're 30. And then that way is probably not going to be the best for when you're 40. And so having that flexibility, but always going back to those principles of what a healthy diet looks like for you is beneficial. And and that's what dietitians do. And to, to build on that topic, since you have a background in being a professional chef, what are some of the things that you would recommend to somebody who wants to start implementing simple, healthy eating practices that are, you know, known to be beneficial, but don't have a lot of cooking experience or might feel a little bit intimidated by implementing some more healthy ingredients that they prepare themselves? Um, Really a concept that I like to call kind of building your pantries. So like getting those pantry essentials. 
Because um, I know one of the biggest intimidating things um, about really starting to eat well is a lot of people assume that it's expensive. Mm. And it's just, it's really not. There's very few kind of key things that you can do to get access to healthy foods, to get a lot of them, and then bridging that gap eventually into cooking, which can be scary for a lot of people. But first and foremost, it starts with kind of building those pantry essentials. So making sure you always have some kind of cooking oil, preferably canola or olive oil. And I know people are going to get into the, oh my God, seed oils and they're terrible. I'm not saying use them all the time, but in the long run, if eating your vegetables means sauteing them in a little bit of olive oil, like you're not hurting anything. No. So definitely have a, some kind of cooking fat, preferred plant-based, so canola and olive oil. Um, and then really getting your staples. So brown leaves or uh, rolled oats or cracked oats, lentils, dried beans or canned beans, like those are really great staples to build a lot of really diverse meals. Um, canned fruits and veggies. I know there's kind of this stigma around like, I should only be eating fresh fruits and veggies. Um, even frozen, like the technology we have nowadays to take food straight from the growing source and then get it processed and frozen in a matter of hours or processed and canned in only a matter of hours preserves the nutrients. And if you look at comparisons between fresh fruits and vegetables and canned and or frozen, the difference is negligible and really i think what people should take away is you're eating your fruits and vegetables and that matters and those are important so getting canned fruits and veggies like don't be scared off by that it doesn't matter that it's canned what really matters is that you're eating those things um, and then getting basic protein so you can get canned tuna or canned chicken i i have a lot of canned items uh, in my pantry for quick meals that you can make a lot of different really great dishes from um, jarred sauces so marinara like i live with at least like probably half a dozen different kinds of tomato sauces because you can do so many different things with them not just spaghetti um you can make things like shakshuka that's a great um like ethnic dish okay what what is breakfast. it called <laughs> shakshuka so basically it's a moroccan spiced tomato sauce so you can get yourself like a basic tomato sauce um you can even go they make pre-mixed things of moroccan spice Add some of that to your tomato sauce, and then what you do is add cracked eggs to it in a pan, and you'll cover it with the lid, and you simmer it, and basically it kind of bastes and steams the eggs. A lot of people will do them with uh, baked potatoes as well. It's an amazing breakfast dish, and you can just toss it together with a couple of ingredients. Oh so God. having things like that on hand, like all the time. Yes, it takes some creativity, and it takes some thought. That's the other half of it, right? So you have to build your ingredients and then get the cooking skills, which I would argue building your pantry with those essentials, your grains and your beans and your canned veggies and fruits and all of those things, that's kind of the easy part because you can find cost-effective mm -hmm. items like that. It's the cooking part that I feel like most people don't do because it is intimidating and it is kind of scary. But. I am shocked on how many clients I have, even clients who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who just don't cook. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I'm not always as surprised by like the younger 20 year olds or the mid 20 year olds who don't cook. I mean, I'm 26 and I cook everything. Mm -hmm. I don't eat out just because of preference, but people have no idea how to cook. And when you're talking about the egg dish, which I've seen photos of now that I think about it, and I did not know that's how it was pronounced, but that is so easy. But when you look at it in a photo, 
it looks intimidating. It's, you know, eggs in a sauce. Like that seems hard, but it's not. And the, the truth is, as, as we are living in the 21st century, you can look up a video for any recipe. You can literally Google how to cook eggs, how to make your own, you know, overnight oats or whatever it is, mm. using those simple ingredients. And you have no excuse but to cook because you can watch a five minute video on how to do something and then learn it. So I think that we, we have this idea as people that, oh, cooking is intimidating. I don't know how to do it. Well, those are all just little stories that people make up in their heads as an excuse or a cop out not to cook. They say, oh, it's hard. I don't have the time. It's expensive. It's a lot of cleanup. Like, nope, it's only those things if you make it those things. And I, I just have to tell people like, you know what, if you want to be healthier, if you want to eat more nutrients and you want to know exactly what's in your food, you got to get into this room in your house. It's called the kitchen. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> been there. I highly recommend visiting it several times a day and stocking it with delicious things because it's not as intimidating as you've built it up in your mind to be. Yeah. So, and especially on the, the expense part, I think that's the one that, uh, kind of cracks me up the most but going back before I get into that um the whole YouTube thing like mind you I was a teenager when I went to culinary school and I didn't have access to endless hours of content on YouTube of people cooking dishes and a lot of them are a few minutes and they are easy to follow like I didn't have that like I had already honed my craft and gotten good at cooking long before that was even a thing like I think there might have been like food network was maybe around and going and then like all recipes like there was maybe two and now it's endless, right? But there's no excuse. Like there's so many quick videos that hell, I'm a chef. I've been doing this for 13 years. I still, if like I've made a dish in the past, or maybe there's a better version of it because professional chefs are constantly putting up videos of them making stuff. Like go look up Gordon Ramsay and spend 10 minutes. Like I, I feel like I become a better chef watching these videos of other chefs doing it. And it's a, it's a nice refresher. For me, it's more of like a, a continuing education tool because I have an idea in my head and I might want to make something so I can pop on and type it in and then find a video on it and go, okay, cool. Yeah, that's all coming back and don't go from there. But they, people have so much access to such easy things now for cooking that there's really no excuse. And then on the part of the expense thing, well, that's, there's a really easy workaround for that. Um, meal plan before you go to the grocery store and this isn't just advice that i'm giving this is stuff that i literally do like i can feed a family of four on a hundred bucks a week because i do these things build your list before you go to the grocery store so meal plan know what you're getting which means you will only buy what's on your list which makes it much more likely you're going to save money because you're only buying what you need buy what's in season because that means if it's in season there's a lot of it being produced so it's most likely going to be a lot cheaper um, buy in bulk whenever you can because it'll always be cheaper by the pound if you buy more of it that means you might have to buy certain things at certain times of the month like once a month I can go out and get my oats because I can buy five pounds of it and that's way cheaper than buying you know individual little containers because you're paying for the container cost rather than buying it from a bulk bin and putting it into a bag so it's just it's really easy simple tips like that that give you access to cheap nutritious food and that takes up the cost element um but the biggest part is really cooking and i don't have any specific advice on that other than do it yep. i know it's i know it's intimidating um 
I've been doing this for a long time. I had got really good at it, but cooking wasn't something like that came exactly natural to me. I'm not special. I didn't like wake up, you know, I wasn't born with a chef knife in my hand. Like it, it wasn't a skill that came naturally to me. I had to hone it. I can tell you a hundred ways how to screw up a steak because I did it. I worked in restaurants and I got screamed at by, you know, executive chefs for messing up food, but that's how you learn. You will never learn if you don't put in the effort to do it. Yeah. In order to make good food, you have to make bad food. Yeah. That's it. Like but you have to take that step. Yeah. I that's the only advice you could give is just do it and call yourself out on any excuse that's keeping you from doing it because our mind is a funny little thing. It will come up with a million reasons to justify eating out, ordering takeout, going for something frozen that you just throw into a microwave. It will come up with so many excuses to make you just stay comfortable and not go outside your comfort zone of cooking. So call yourself out on your bullshit. There's always going to be a solution for any kind of problem your mind throws at you. If it's cost, Google or ask one of us. I'm sure Tyler and I would be happy to give you some cost-effective free advice on how to grocery shop. Absolutely. If you are afraid about doing dishes. Okay, there's going to be a solution for doing dishes. Use less dishes, you know, use recyclable paper dishes. Or there's going Crock to pot meals. Crock, oh my God, I love the crock. One pot meals. <laughs> One pot meals, yes. Oh, seriously. There are so many, so many things you can do. There. For every problem you've got, I'm just telling you there's a solution. And that's advice you can take to the bank for anything that comes up in your life. There's always a solution. And if you're serious about getting healthier and it is a priority and you want to eat better food for you, well, then this is just the necessary evil that you're going to have to embrace to get there because you're not going to get healthier. Sorry, if you are eating out every single meal, it's just a fact. I mean, maybe not a fact, but 99% of people who are eating out for most of their meals are probably spending more money than they think and they're not actually advancing their health outcomes and it's it, you just don't appreciate the food the same way you know what i mean like if you are yeah. cooking at home there's just something about putting a meal together and serving it to yourself or to your loved ones it's just so much more mentally satisfactory i promise that if you lean into that outcome of cooking you're going to be more motivated to keep doing it yeah and why why put your health in someone else's hands yeah. especially when it comes to food like yeah. sure you could go to better places and that serve more nutritious food but again what are you paying what's the monetary cost for you because you know it's going to cost more to get those healthier foods mm -hmm. because those better foods cost a little bit more money because somebody else had to purchase it they had yeah. to pay somebody to make it they have to make their money on it for you to get it you can cut out all those middlemans by just making your own food and and for people that are hesitant about cooking I've been doing this for 13 years and I still mess stuff up and I still keep going. Like yeah. I've made, you know, asked my wife, I've made less than fantastic dishes because a million things I don't want to make up excuses. I've got two little girls running around my house. So sometimes it's hard to multitask and play, you know, chef at the same time. Everything doesn't come out perfect all the time. I make mistakes. I still mess stuff up. I cook something for two minutes too long and now, you know, it's not the way I wanted it, but that's not the excuse to not keep trying. Totally. Totally. I love that. I love that so much. And I think it's important for people to realize too, that 
not every single meal you eat needs to be a production. It doesn't need to be the best thing you've ever had. Sometimes something nourishing that tastes good, that is simple, is good enough. It doesn't have to be this whole production. You don't have to whip up a five-course meal for lunch on Tuesday. Just get in there, find some recipes that you like, experiment with some simple things if you need help getting started. I've got lots of recipes on our website's blog, Orlando Dietitian, if you wanna look on there, get you started with some good stuff and utilize these tips that Tyler gave you too. You know, putting some simple things together, Googling some simple, easy recipes or just looking at photos online and just going for it, just doing it. Just do it, yeah, just exactly. Do it. Yeah, Nike. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this bad boy up, but I want to thank you, Ty, for coming on the show today. Any last piece of, of advice or tips or takeaways that you want to share with everybody? Uh, well, hmm. uh, first and foremost, stay skeptical, always, because well, we talked today about, you know, who are you getting your nutrition advice from? Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that dietitians are the only. There are people that are PhDs and that are doctors that do have subspecialties in nutrition, but always vet who is giving you advice. Mm -hmm. Look at that first and foremost. Do they have the credential? Do they have the authority? Do they have the knowledge in that specific field? Is it relevant to it? So mm -hmm. always be skeptical of who you're getting nutrition advice from. If you're ever not sure, go and ask dietitian. dietitian. Yeah. Go talk to an RD first and foremost. Um, and then really just, if you want to improve your health, you know, especially through nutrition, you're going to have to get your hands dirty. You're going to have to spend some time cooking and making awful food so you can hopefully get better at it and make good food, but really just try. That's all I can tell you. Just, you got to get in there and you got to try and I promise if you stick with it, it'll get better and you'll eventually have that aha moment where you'll make that dish that came out exactly the way you wanted it to. And that's the, that's the driving force right there. You're going to get addicted to that. And once you're able to do that and keep going, you're going to be able to put your health back into your own hands by cooking your own meals. And that's, that's really all, you know, that's what it's about. Did you ever play the Sims? Oh God. Yeah. Like forever ago. Do you remember when you would have a sim and they would be cooking for themselves and they had that little skills bar and they had to get into the kitchen and cook a bunch of things in order to get to the highest 10 out of 10 culinary skill where they could make <laughs> Alaska, which to this day I've never had, but I always saw it on sims. And when they would be learning in the beginning, they'd be like setting their kitchens on fire. Exactly. Like killing their family. I promise anybody listening to this, that's not as extreme, hopefully, <laughs> but yeah, please don't. STEM. You got to learn the skill. Yeah. Don't set your house on fire, but definitely put in the effort and just learn. Cooking is amazing. It's just, you have to give it a try. You have to do it. It's not, you can read the world's best cookbook from the world's best chef, but you have to do it mm. in order to make it work. Yeah. Well, I don't think I could say anything else better than that. Ty, how can people find you if they want to see all of your tweets and all your stuff calling out the quacks? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at, at foodfirst underscore Ty, T-Y. So I'm pretty sure if you just type in foodfirst Ty, I'll pop up. But that's mm -hmm. me. You'll be on there. Cool. Well, thank you so much for video chatting with me. I know it's early on your side of the States, but I appreciate you coming on and I can't wait to keep up with you on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real and keep it healthy.